All right, thanks for uh, that awesome intro, music intro from uh, Fred and Becca. Joined here by uh, my buddy Jeannie Devon. Hello, Jeannie. Hello, Jeff. I'm very happy you uh, you are on Landmine Radio. This is uh, I know it's very exciting. I think it's my seventh or eighth. I don't know pod, podcast. I've been trying to get you for a long time. You were busy. You just got I married. I did just get married. Yes. And, and I went to the wedding, and it was a fun <laughs> wedding. Thank you. The I think funniest part for me though was there was a guy there who I thought. I legitimately thought he was crashing the wedding because he was wearing golf gear and it was at O'Malley's on the green golf course. Right. So I was asking people, who's that guy crashing the wedding? Who's the random golfer who has wandered into the... Because there was golfing going on, right? Right. I kept thinking, well, what if a golf ball, you know, flies and hits somebody? (laughs) And then I was like, who's the... Like, I'm telling people, there's a guy crashing, he's enjoying the free drinks and... But it was actually... It was somebody's husband. It was. It was Senator Berta Gardner's husband. It was. Well, I found out... He looked like he he was a golfer. Well, he had just competed in a golf tournament. Not even at O'Malley's, right? Was it somewhere else? It was at O'Malley's. Yes. I was legitimately thought this like... I was like, I respect this person. It's a wedding. If it was me, I might do the same. Get a a drink, get some food. Right. Have a dance. No, so he was legitimately there for a golf tournament and a wedding on the same day. So, so that was it was a fun wedding. It was all good. Great weather. Yeah. It was a good good turnout. I, really, I know. I, I love weddings. I'm a, I'm a weddings you? guy. Yeah. I'm, I do. You know, wedding crashers. That's something I could see myself. Oh, you know, so you were trying to learn from Mike Gardner. Yeah. How to I, crash I mean, the wedding. It was it was great. <laughs> so okay, so what I want to talk about today is you're a very interesting character. You've been. On many side, if people don't know you. You were the Mudflats for a long yes. time. You still, I guess that's still. You still write some articles. Well, once I'm in a not while. now. I was going back to it, and then now other things have happened, so now I'm not doing it. But I have been on and off the Mudflats, mostly on, but sometimes off since 2008. Okay, so let's talk about that a little bit, and then kind of you've been, you know, nowadays the media. It's there's been some news today where the ADN had to let go of their uh, DC correspondent Erica Martinson, yeah. and she put out something on Twitter about it, and then it got. It took off, and Rachel Maddow retweeted it. Um, you know about right. Well, Rachel Maddow has a definitely has a soft spot for Alaska politics. She actually came up here. Um, remember Sh- the, remember the Joe Moore, Miller? Like, yes, the, the escalator. Yes, the Joe Miller escalator. Good memory. Yes, and uh, and how can she you forget was, that? She was up talking to Shannon Moore when she had her her TV show, and I got to talk to her, and she loved the Mudflats, and so she kind of had a, a whirlwind tour through the craziness of Alaska politics and has really sort of followed it more than your average uh, MSNBC person. I think the issue now with, with Erica and, you know, because Murkowski and Collins, I guess Maine has a similar, had a recently a similar thing. So right. the kind of the, the topical issue, it's they're in the news now with this Kavanaugh thing. And right. so maybe, maybe that's part of the reason it got, got so much traction. But let's talk about, first of all, so you, you had this, the Mudflats a long time ago and it was just right. a... It was kind of a hobby or? Well, it was just, it wasn't even a hobby, hardly, because I I was corresponding with a friend of mine through email back in the day, back in the dinosaur day in 2008. And AOL, at AOL.com? It wasn't AOL. Yes, I knew it. (laughs) Um, But we would email back and forth and every once in a while I would just go off on a rant about something politically that was happening. And she was like, you know, you ought to have a blog. And I was like, a blog? What? 
what is that? I mean, I've heard of it, but I don't even really know what year was this? What like, that oh. is? Two thousand eight. I was probably behind the the curve. Everybody else probably knew what a blog was, but I was sort of clueless. So she's like, yeah, and she sent me a, a link to WordPress, and she's like, just play around with it. I think you'd really enjoy it. So I was sort of played around with it, and I'm like, oh look, here's where you put a headline, and here's where you. I mean, I was like completely new at all of it, and thought it was really cool, and so I would just sort of write. Whatever. I mean, I, I didn't even really know at the beginning that anybody else could see it. You just thought it was like... <laughs> I, I just thought were, it was like for me. You were venting. I figured at some point, you know, if I wanted somebody to see it, I could share it. But I didn't realize it was public domain. And then I started getting like little notices that, you know, eight people read your thing today. And I was like, how did they even find it? <laughs> it didn't... I didn't advertise... I mean, how does somebody just Mudflats, stumble then? across that? Yeah. So you, you started... Uh, you I named started it calling it the Mudflats because I could see the Mudflats outside my window and it seemed like a good political <laughs> analogy. So, so that, that's where I got the name. <laughs> yeah. I never knew that. I just... Uh, I guess that makes sense, but yeah, I never, I never I was just knew. thinking of, you know, the political muck. <laughs> and uh, so that name just kind of stuck. But it was like... I mean, I didn't even really think about it. I just thought, oh, I'll do this. It was all very haphazard. And so I started gaining readers, and um, I got up to about 250 the day that Sarah Palin got the nomination for vice president. So you started it before, what month did you start it? I started in like the beginning of May. Okay, so this is well months months before the right. whole Palin right. thing got going. And I thought to myself, and at this that time, I was like, and you'll appreciate this now, I was like, I have 250 people like reading what I say. Mm-hmm. I don't know who they are. I don't know where they are, but they were like my little kind of invisible. No, I was similar. Tribe. Like when I started mine in October, I get the analytics. You can look at the analytics uh-huh. and I'd say, Oh, like a few hundred, I got real excited. But, but now it's like, you know, I, I want several thousand people. Right. At least, you know, a day, like <laughs> it's just, it grows. Yes. If you do content, people want content. If you put good content out, you'll right. get people to read it. Right. And I think on the Mudflats busiest day, which was the big anti-Sarah Palin rally that happened at the Lusack Library, and I went down and I took photos and like wrote about it, that post got, I think, like 300,000 reads. Wow. It was insane. I had 3 million so, reads so when, in September of When she got the nomination, <laughs> you had written about her a lot previous. Prior, I had right? written a little bit. I'd written about because Troopergate was happening at that time, and Wooten. there was a, um, a deal with the polar bears. Somebody was suing about polar bears, and she was refusing to release documents saying that she didn't have them. But then somebody did a FOIA on the federal side, and all of this correspondence came out that she had been talking yeah, to I, people. I, I recall. So I had written just about you know random stuff like like that. And um, so I, the day that she was nominated, I was like, my little people, you know, maybe they want to know. My 250 people. My 250 people. I felt like very responsible that they should know what was going on. So, um, so I wrote my post and then I left the computer and I went and made myself eggs in the morning and I went back to the computer and it had like 6,000 reads in 20 minutes. Oh, Wow. And that's I, a that's that's a lot. I know, and it was like one person who had an audience just like picked it up, like, "Hey, here's something from Alaska," because nobody had anywhere else to go. Nobody knew anything about her. There, they didn't say, "Well, let's look at all no, the New I, York I, Times I, articles." I remember, on her. I remember when when the whole thing happened with her. 
my old professor, uh, Stephen Haycox from, from UAA. Ah, uh, yes. He was on like CNN. Right. Because they were trying to find people who could say, I mean, if this was, if I was around doing what you were doing, you know, back then, maybe even I might, you know, because they wanted anybody who could talk about anything. Oh, anybody. And say, because they right. there, there was calls and people, I remember, who was I talking to? Somebody said that they were asked by something that was like CNN or MS, one of the big ones. And they were like, we need to talk to somebody who knows something about Sarah Palin. Right. In Alaska. And I had all these, I had the BBC, I had all these people contacting me and I was like rebuffing them like, no, I don't, because <laughs> I didn't even have my name on the thing then. Yeah, right? but, so you were, uh, I'm just like, it was anonymous I'm like a, long... a retail store owner in Anchorage, Alaska with political opinion. It was anonymous for a long time, It was right? anonymous for a long time because I hadn't intended that it be read, <laughs> which is like the most ironic thing ever because it went, you know, crazy for many years. But um, So at that point you kind of thought... Wow, this is not only do I have an audience, but pe- more people are responding, and there's right. there's a big big story and a big fi- right. figure that people want to know know about. Right, and so I would get like a thousand comments on a story, and people would be like, "Well, what about this? Well, what about that?" And they would ask questions, and so I would take a question, and that would be my next post, and then I'd take another question, and that would be my next post. So I would have sometimes four or five posts a day, just like. And it was great writing exercise because I didn't have time to, you know, ponder for a couple days how uh-huh. I was going to frame something. It just, you know, and you get good at it after a while. Yeah, I mean, you I'm, have I, to I, do that. I, I would never. I don't by any long shot. Consider, I mean, I think I think you're a great writer. I love reading your stuff. It's very good. Oh, thanks. I've, uh, I don't consider myself a, a good writer, but I started my blog in Australia, my, my travel blog. Right. And then I've been doing this for since October. I remember you called me and you were like, how do you do a blog? Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I mean, I got somebody to build me a blog, a WordPress, and I asked your advice on. Right. But um, it's like anything, like exercise or, you know, playing an instrument. I've I've gotten a lot, I think, better at the writing. Well, it's, it's easier. It's more natural. You have. It's, no, it's very entertaining. And I, I, I love my... My landmine reads. <laughs> I love doing, I love, I mean, that's the only thing that keeps, because it's so hard. That's what I want to talk about later is, is you know, coverage and media and reporters and money and, and how the, the coverage uh, all over the country, newspapers have been cutting right. back. And whenever there's less coverage, you know, spending goes up, corruption goes up because no one's, you know, I mean, Robbie Robinson was here a few months, like last month, the guy from Boston Globe mm-hmm. at the Spotlight. They did the whole thing on the Catholic priests. Right. And he made the comment, uh, he came with Commonwealth North, that the only reason that story got like as big as it did and they explored it was because the course, the courthouse reporter had written a story about somebody that sued the priest and the new publisher had seen the story and was interested about what was going on. And then that was what led to the whole, the whole thing with the Catholic priest in Boston. Right. And he says, now the Boston globe doesn't have a courthouse reporter in Boston. Wow. So that story, right. Um, you know, might not come out today because and we have this thing with Erica Martinson with the ADN. That's really um, chilling, I think. You know, I, I mean, we've seen the layoffs after layoffs happen and journalism um, suffering really badly because, and in part, you know, not, not to diss the blogosphere, but in part because we're now at the point where anybody can say anything and just yeah, no, throw yeah. it out there and take the bandwidth you know and then people one person say, comes to mind well, <laughs> i will not name <laughs> can i i won't right. you could i don't care 
<clears throat> must read Alaska. Yeah. And must, um, must never read. <laughs> you know, but but seriously, so people can, if they e- either sound intelligent or not, but they can basically come out and say anything that they want. And we have bred this culture of, I can get my air quotes news for free. Why do I want to, well, and, why and, should I have to pay for it? And that's what I was, so my motivation right now is we, I saw some ads, it's very little money. Um, and some people, you know, contribute a little bit here and there, but it's, it's, I mean, it's like not sustainable. I do it because I enjoy it because I want to, you know, inform people. And I really like to kind of mess with people and, you know, say funny things. And it's kind of a good feeling to write something and people to read it. But in the long run, it's not a sustainable, you know, model. And I, I run into so many people who tell me, Oh, I love, I love the Sunday column or I love the, um, the other column we have the, somebody else, the Alaska Mm stalker. I just love reading it. I just, I can't get, but, but I tell them, I said, well, do you want to contribute something? Do you want to? You know, do you want to pay for pay for something? It's the only thing where they want something, right? But they don't want to pay for it. Well, welcome to Alaska, if you think about it. I it's mean, a, it's a it's a metaphor. <laughs> the, there's there's the metaphor because we want everything. Even ADN. I mean, right. I, they they say they have a paywall and they have a subscription. I don't right. even know how many people do it, and people complain about it. And it's like I feel like I'm doing this as a hobby and it's for fun. And I write about some a lot of funny stuff, but I, I cover some serious stuff. And but I'm not a journalist. I mean, I don't have. I'm learning, I guess, how it goes, but. You know, it's like there's so much that goes on that you know about that I know about things that right. we hear about. And we want to report, but we can't or you don't have the right you know, information or there's just a reason, you know, it's hard to do a story. And then you have like I feel like sometimes I'm covering stuff that, that re- I wish the regular media was covering. Oh, I hear you. I felt that way all the time. It's like why why isn't why aren't people writing about this? Like, is a why huge... am I writing about Joe Miller taking, you know, farm subsidies while he's busy railing against the, you know. Mm-hmm. People who take subsidies. I mean, it was and, and Andrew Halcrow. He was doing the blog, and Mil- Joe Miller sued him. Remember that? Yeah, he sued him over the. He had a source about the um, emails and the using the computer in Fairbanks. Right. And Andrew wrote about it, and right. he got sued. I mean, it's you know you can't you can't do what you're doing now and what I used to do and feel like you're going to make a professional career out of it. I mean, the way that I looked at it because I didn't even take advertising for a while. I probably I look back now and I'm an idiot, right? Because I could have made a ton of money in advertising, mm-hmm. but at the time, bless my little heart, I was like, you know, if I take advertising, then people are going to think I'm just doing this for money, and I want people to know that this is actually truly what I think and what I see. And what's going on, and mm-hmm. that I'm not just some you know craven opportunist that sees a way to make a buck. Well, so at first, I, now I'm like I should have made a buck and done that so at, at the fr- same time. At first, I said I'll take money from like businesses or organizations, but I said I'm, I'm not. I don't want to take money from politicians or candidates, or because then it looks like I had a pretty strong feeling about that. It looks like you know I'm, I'm you know if I say something nice about somebody right. or if there's a story and there's an, there's an ad, but then I talked to somebody and they said, look, this is ridiculous. Like, take the money, you know, if, if they tell you, and this has happened before, some of the advertisers have contacted me, and I say, look, I, you know, you want to pull the ad, pull the ad. But but no one tells me what to write, and no right. one influences. But but even then, like, you have people that support you, and it's, it's when you're doing a block compared to, like, you know, if you're ADN or if you're KT, they have, like, whole teams of salespeople that are separate from the j- journalists, right. you know? So it's like you have somebody that wants to give you money, and I never write about something somebody wants me to write about or tells me to write about. But at the same time, you write something... And they're, and they're buying an ad and you're, it's in the back of your mind a little bit, you know? Right. You think about, I mean, it's like you, you don't think about it. You know, what if, what if you get something where you're going to like light somebody up and then you're like, oh, they're going to, I don't have that right now, but what if somebody was giving, giving you like 
five grand a month right. or something. Well, and this is a problem too. I mean, I don't know if you'd call it a, a problem or not, but when I got to Juno and I took my job with the, with the Senate, um, this is why the legislature, you never see legislative aides like blowing people up on their Facebook page or it's all, it's like this vacuum, you know, everybody goes to Juno and, you know, there are no like crazy Juno bloggers who, you know, light up the internet with what's going on in Juno because the people that are down there working with one another have to work with one another mm-hmm. every day. You know, you have to be next door to somebody that you really disagree with and you have to eat lunch with them and attend lunch and learns in the, you know, conference room. And it's more, it's more difficult when you have a personal relationship with someone Mm -hmm. to light them up, even if they deserve it for, you know, whatever they're doing, or even if you disagree with their opinion. So when you take ads, like you were just saying, you know, that has to factor somewhere into your mind. Yeah. I mean, to say you don't think about it is like, it's just, that'd be, you'd have to be a really weird person to not even think about it. So you, so you were with the Mudflats, um, you written some books, you wrote up, you did the stuff with the militia and, and the Fairbanks with uh, Schaefer Cox, and you did a lot of... Yes. We, I mean, that's a whole different, I think, probably <laughs> podcast. But then you uh, took a job, you were the press secretary for the Senate Democrats. Yes. So you were on the whole other side. Now people... Now you, now you probably know think, stuff you'd yeah. want to write if you were the blogger, <laughs> but now you want to control yeah. how it gets you know, written or reported. Right. Or... And I have to. And I mean, you know, part of it was if you're sitting in a caucus meeting with your people, I mean, I had five senators that I was working for and I enjoyed them and loved them all. But you're in a caucus meeting with them and it's like what is in that meeting stays in that meeting. How much? And there's how many, no way I could come how many out t- now and go, let me tell how you. How many times did you hear something or know something where you're like, wow, I, I could write this Every hard. Day. Every day. <laughs> so we did a po- I did a podcast with Austin Barrett a while ago and Scott uh-huh. Kendall and Austin kind of the same thing he was with Channel 2 for a long time reporter right. and I asked him like I said same question I said how, how you know how, how, how many times have you heard something that you wish you known when you were a reporter he, he said he said every day like yeah you know he's it's just such a whole different it's a whole different side of it's the same game but you're on the opposite you know right. side and you have to have you have to be able to change your filters you know, that's the skill that's involved in so that. I'd be, and it's I'd be really a... fascinating because now I'm, I'm working for the Democratic Party. So there's a whole other set of filters. Like I can say some things that I couldn't say before, but I can't say things if I learned them while I was in the legislature. I mean, it's like juggling. Yeah, I can imagine. It's, it's juggling plates, but so I really said, enjoy it. What was it's the term you used? Uh, it's a fil- filter. You said. You got to be able to change, change your, the filter. Yeah, so, your filters. So I'd probably not be a good press <laughs> secretary because I have almost no filter. <laughs> I think I'd last about a day. You would have to develop one. I'd be, I'd either be very entertaining or very short lived, (laughs) probably both. (laughs) Probably both. You'd go out in a blaze of glory or something. (laughs) So you, when you were with the Mudflats, at some point, I mean, at some point you kind of, somebody learned who you were. I don't know if you want to go into that or not. I've heard the story, but somebody kind of outed you, right? Somebody, somebody found out who you were somehow and. Right. And, then and they, so then that was like, they that up. was they insane, you up. right? Because I, you know, had been anonymous and was very happy to stay that way. And when all every all the attention started coming, I was completely unprepared to deal with it because it was not and the person it wasn't it was my a, end game. The person I mean, who did it was like a, a legit person. I mean, it was somebody that had the power to oh, really, really make people. Well, it was Mike Dugan. There it while, is. While he was a sitting legislator. So you, you had a sitting representative. In his legislative email. Because I had up. Because I had called him out on something which he should have been called out for. And he didn't like it. And, and he went, found out through a very. And went on like 
just a quest. He found out through a very odd way. It was a yes. very, not like a political. It was like a second or third hand way just through, yeah, through a personal connection. It was, yeah. But anyway, so he, um, yeah, he put it in the legislative email and I was like, holy did you, did you have Did he give you a heads up or anything or? He sent me an email and said, I I know who you are. I've outed you. And I will put it, you know, it's I'm going to announce it tomorrow. Do you have a comment? Like, what's like, he a reporter now? Is he a reporter? Yeah, well, he was, you know, or worked for a newspaper. Right, yeah, Yeah, true. and I was like, are you serious? So um, that was really bad because that caused a huge backlash to my business hate mail stuff about my kids because this was you know a nationwide Palin thing like he was mad because I you know said something mean about him personally so that was his motivation but at the same time it was in the middle of this you know incredible Palin phenomenon where there were people across the country who were you know rabid fans of hers and set out to make me. So you know, when, when you were doing the blog, when the Palin thing happened, you were anonymous. Um, did people like reach out to you for like, did they want to interview you? Or oh, all the time. You just and said, I was like, no. So you just, you just had some weird email like mudflat, you know, whatever at mudflats. Right. Uh, wow. Did you ever, because I know, I know. Yeah, people didn't know if I was male or female or anything. I, I know, uh, I heard that, you know, Amanda Coyne kind of a similar, she had a blog and mm-hmm. she, she had a, a blog at the time when the big Senate race was going on, the. The fifty million dollar Joe, you know the Joe Miller, uh, right? Um, yeah, that was the, the Alaska Sullivan Dan Sullivan dispatch when they started up, right? Is that what well? She no, was she was doing the blog at that point. She was AmandaCoin dot com during the twenty fourteen uh, Senate race. That's, oh, where, no, that's where I think she made. She I was did, talking about twenty ten. Right, right. So I was just I was going forward with Amanda Coin with. Uh, mm-hmm. I heard that when she after that was over, she reported the Palin brawl. Uh-huh. Remember the fight at the McKenna brothers' house over on at the hills at the. The lake. Yes, yes, so she I reported did. that, and I, I wrote about that. I, I'm pretty sure I heard that that broke. Her, I think she broke it, and I think I think it broke her sight. I mean, it, like it, it got. I think I think people offered her money or something to go on. Like I've heard she was like people want to talk about it because it was such a crazy. Oh wow! I did a stick figure drawing of the Palin brawl that somebody bought from me. They're oh. like, "What do you want for it?" Do you remember I was like, how crazy that was? What are you talking about? It's on an envelope. <laughs> but it's just it's just this whole fix. Like what I do, I talk to a lot of people in media, like journalists and reporters, and. You know, they just, and I think Amanda was with the dispatch and Amanda has a a history of, she's a a journalist reporter, but I think there's like, I mean, if somebody, if I wrote a story and somebody offered me money to talk about my, I would take it. I wouldn't care. It wouldn't matter to me. Right. But I think some other people like, like it's very, even if I go to fundraisers now to like, I want to report who's at a fundraiser. I want to just show up and see who's there. Right. Like, I mean, I was there one time and I was having a beer and having some food and somebody was like, a reporter was there. What do you, what are you doing? You can't do that. And I go, why not? <laughs> oh, that's unethical. Like it's just this whole different, like my, I know mindset. And that's why, you know, reporters have like, sometimes legitimate and sometimes not legitimate issues with bloggers because, you know, they actually went to school for this stuff and it is an art and a craft and it has, you know, standards and you have an editor and you have people who can fire you if you step over the line mm-hmm. and you have to get your story approved before you do it. And, you know, people like you and me can go, oh, that's cool. I'm going to write about that. Give me a beer. <laughs> and it's like there's no. Yeah, great. There Let's... are no rules for that. And in some ways, um, that's a good thing. And in some ways, it's it's not a good thing. It really all depends upon um, the accuracy of what you're saying um, acknowledging when what you're saying is opinion versus fact, um, you know, and not not using it as a, as a weapon 
um, to indiscriminately well, that, that, hurt people and not tell the truth. That's the one thing I actually realized um, a while after I started the blog. The, the, it was during the legislative session when it was really started to kind of take off and mm-hmm. somebody gave me some information that was good information. And, you know, I have a lot of friends and I run for office, so I have all these sources kind of already. And uh, I wrote something that I probably wouldn't write now. I mean, I would have phrased it differently. I wouldn't have outed, I wouldn't have given the name of the, it was about a staffer and, and saying something bad about their boss, their boss at a party and very open about it. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, I just didn't realize like you would do that. People can get in trouble and you can write things about people and you can, you can really, they can lose their jobs. I mean, it, it, and Yeah. I mean, it becomes a weapon. You know, I've had people try to, I'm right. sure you've had people try to give you bad information or half information because right. they have an agenda. They want something out there or people will, it's a, it's a weird game. Like that people will try to give somebody information to try to see if they get it out and then they can figure out who, who gave the information, you know, because they're all worried right. about who's leaking, stu- leaking inf- confidential stuff in the, in the legislature right. or in politics. Yeah. So it's like, it's a, there's some responsibility to it that I've, at first I was just doing it to make fun of people and have fun and <laughs> write about stuff that's happening that I think, you know, there's so much in Juno that goes on that never gets out. Right. Maybe more so now than, but even, even now there's so much stuff that goes on down there. You were there, what, for how many? Two years. So you probably, you probably, ooh, you probably got stories. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I know. That will never be told. It's in the vault. <laughs> that will die with me in the vault, yes. So so now you're with a Democrat. So you were, um, can you talk, is that book thing happening with the, the TV show? or? What's- oh, yes. So my last book, which um, got optioned for TV um, several months ago, I, I think it's supposed to be getting pitched soon. So it's the one about the it is militia. The Blood of Patriots. Right. It's the one about um it, it's it isn't about Schaefer Cox. He figures heavily into it because the it's a memoir style and it is uh Bill Fulton is the subject of the book. He was the he, uh informant. Okay. He was an FBI uh informant who was completely volunteer, which is kind of it's kind of sweet actually, because usually FBI informants are people who are, you know, bad actors who have charges pending and they go, you know, Flip. yeah, I'll do whatever you want, man. Like I'll Cohen. Wear, I'll wear a wire. Like right? Cohen. Cohen flipped immediately. <laughs> right. So Bill Fulton, bless his heart, volunteered and went to the FBI when somebody came into his, he was a retail store owner. So when somebody came into his um, military surplus store and was talking about bombing a recruiting station, he, oh, that's nice. he yeah, he as, as a vet and a decent human being was appalled by this and wanted to uh, call the FBI. But it was a little bit of a moral dilemma because everybody that shopped at this particular, the drop zone military surplus store, there were a lot of people that shopped there that did not like the FBI. And if he were tied to the FBI, it would be... A lot of folks up there have the uh, libertarian kind of it would, mentality. It right? would be like suicide for his business. So he had to actually really think about it. Um and everybody was like, don't go to the FBI. Oh, my God. Well, you know, all these vets that you've employed um, that were having troubles and you took them in and gave them these jobs are going to be out of a job because nobody's going to shop here anymore. So he, without the knowledge of his wife, without the knowledge of his employees, without anybody knowing, went to the FBI out of his conscience. Shop owner turned informant. Yeah. And they were like, OK, so we know about that guy already. But um, while you're here... <laughs> 
Are you do busy you know, for the next few months? Do you know this guy and this guy? And th- and he knew everybody because they all shopped in a store. And they were like, well, do you know Schaefer Cox? And he was like, funny you should say because I'm going to Fairbanks next week to do this fundraiser and, you know, for his organization, for the Interior Alaska Conservative. And they're like, we're going we're to we're gonna put this little uh, yeah. wire on you. And Did he wear yeah. a wire? Well, they were like, well, he did wear a wire. Oh, man. And they were like, just talk to him. Just kind of like, you know, hang out with him, talk to him, see what's going on. And he was like, well, what am I... Would, should I ask him? He's like, no, 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 just, you know, chat with him. I probably said it to talk to him. I'm going to have to take him out for dinner, and that's going to be a couple grand. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I don't want to do, be a spoiler, but they talked, and so you wrote, you wrote this boy, book, he Blood, talked. Blood of Patriots, and, yes. and it's, uh, when I understand it's supposed to become a TV show or like yeah, a Hollywood Yeah, so type. that's happening hopefully soon. I don't want to jinx it, you know, because who knows what's actually going to happen. But it, they did buy the option, um, a production studio in Hollywood bought the option to, so are you gonna yeah. be like a? Are you gonna have like a Jeannie Devon director chair or what's going? <laughs> well, if it happens, knock wood, then I would be um, an executive director, uh, executive producer. Well, like I said before, if you need a uh, slightly larger, balder Schaefer Cox who will work Schaefer for very Cox. little money, I I'm, think you'd look fabulous. I mean, in I'll the wear hat. that little hat. Yeah, I'll the wear the hat, cap. so the hair won't even matter. Yes, and then you know maybe I should lose a few pounds and you know. <laughs> Get my face a lot thinner. He's a, he's he's in, he's gone for a long time, right? Long time. Well, okay. So here's the deal with him. So he was sentenced to 28 years and 10 months. That's odd. why do they do 10? Like why do they just do 28 years or 29 years? Well, because it was a whole bunch of different. It was like 12 or 14 they different, round different charges, and it was you know maybe round some, up. <laughs> some of them had you know a 10 year sentence, but they did them all concurrently. So all the weapons violations, all the conspiracy charges, all the stuff he's serving at the same time. So it comes out to 28 years and 10 months. Well, one could using the sentencing guidelines. One could probably refer to him as a loose unit. Oh yes, he, he's a he's so loose he is disengaged. Um, but so what happened was he appealed. He tried couple, to like get it all thrown appealed, out, right? Right. And this is the weird part. So he got one charge dismissed. So what that does is he has to get resentenced. He's starting from square one. He's hoping, I'm sure, that his sentence is going to be reduced. However, at his initial sentencing hearing, he threw himself on the mercy of the court, and I was in the courtroom, and he wept, and he said, I'm so sorry. My behavior was horrible. If I were any of these people, I I would have thought the same thing, and I, I behaved terribly, and I have come to find out that I am mentally ill and I, I've been diagnosed with nice. paranoid the, the, the mental, the mental delusions illness. and schizophrenia. And, you know, my, my family, now they understand what has happened to me. And it was this very compelling um, display. So he says this in front of the judge. The judge goes away. He comes back, delivers the sentence. And no sooner does Schaefer Cox leave and communicate with anybody, he's like, okay, so that was all a lie. And I was just trying to get a reduced sentence because really I'm completely innocent and the government has framed me and the deep state and Obama deep and state. blah, blah, blah. Well, so they were, 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 <laughs> I mean, I, uh, and so I'm like, okay, so the judge coming back to the present for his resentencing because of that one same charge, judge? same judge. Oh, so now he could be facing more time. S- exactly. So the judge could say, you know how you're serving concurrently 
uh, we're going to make that consecutive. I mean, he could do that. Wow. So because so, he like why he not only perjured himself but bragged about it afterwards, and now is in front of the same judge again. And I do not think that judges are amused by that. So the re- the recap is. <laughs> There was the, the guy, people he was associated with the couple, and they were going to kill a judge, and they had all these weapons. Oh, and... that was a separate a separate case. Well, it overlapped a little bit. Lonnie Vernon was was that guy, and he he served he he was uh, tried along with Schaefer Cox and um, one other person, and then he was also had a separate trial with his wife Karen, and they were. Um, that was all about taxes. That was about, you know, he booby-trapped his land, and when the IRS was going to come try to take his house, he was going to make him, you know, eat lead, whatever. He wrote this. He wrote 24 copies of yeah, no, I, suicide I, I, I notes that, yeah. and left them in his glove compartment. Like, by the time you're reading this, <laughs> we'll be dead, but we will have taken out as many of the, you know, government whatever as possible. And Loose like, individuals up dang. there in, in Fairbanks. I so. know. That trial have like a, was like the did they have best. A, did they have an RPG or a grenade, grenades? Or didn't they have like some they serious, grenades. serious yeah. uh, arti- like equipment? Yeah. Well, he lied about a lot of the stuff that he had. And this was the other thing because no, he was never on anybody's radar until he went to this like um, one of those big meetings where they're calling for a new constitutional convention yeah yeah so he went to one of these things and he's a charismatic speaker intelligent sounding guy so which one lonnie or uh schaefer cox you know i met him back in 2008 he was at the republican convention here in anchorage and i was downstairs it was the ron paul group i was part of that group and i I didn't know he was i mean he i remember he was wearing the hat downstairs the whole group of us were figuring out what we're going to do because they kicked us out right and he gave the most compelling kind of encapsulating i mean i was just like wow it was this i mean it's a guy that i probably would have if he said hey join join me to do i probably would have done it because he just was so convincing and so well spoken big big personality and disarmingly you know yeah he definitely had like a jim jones yeah Yeah. here jeff have have some some kool-aid thirsty (laughs) yeah now i'm totally off track what i was saying you're talking about um the weapons and him getting caught. Oh, so he goes to this conference and he gives his best. You know, he's up on the stage. And these are all on YouTube. If anybody's an insomniac and wants to Google Schaefer Cox on YouTube and watch all this stuff, you can and see. Um, but one of the things that he said um, was, um, you know, we've got 3,000 people and we've got anti-aircraft and we've got what? grenades and we have systems to down communication networks and we've got all this stuff. And if and if the government tries anything, there will be blood running in the streets of Fairbanks. Now, if you work for the FBI, where are you going to send some people to go hang out during the <laughs> militia slash rewrite the Constitution weekend, right? So uh-huh. there's like tons of undercover FBI at these events. And they're sitting in the audience like, what did he just say? (laughs) This is loose. This is like unbelievably illegal. Now, it turns out some of what he said was true. Most of what he said was not true. (laughs) I like the the anti-aircraft part. Like, we we have anti-aircraft artillery. And 3,000 people. This is crazy. So Probably like 30. If the FBI didn't investigate that, that I would question. No, yeah, you have to. Oh, that's not federal overreach. That's them going, holy crap. Yeah, that's federal, just normal What reach. is happening in Fairbanks, Alaska, and why are we not there? Uh, well, 
Um, I appreciate I've been trying to catch up with you for a while to do the podcast. I know you're uh, recently mar- married, and how's that going? That's going great. You're, you're kind of are you Anchorage and Del- Delta? Except you, that we live 250 miles apart right now. But. So because you go, you kind of go back, and he's in Delta, <laughs> is it Delta Junction. Or? Delta Junction, yes. Ooh, that's cold. Ooh, I know. That's good. That's about to get real cold. I know. Like 30, 40 below cold. <laughs> Jeez. That's what I hear. So that'll be fun. Well, I appreciate the podcast. We should do another one. Maybe talk a little bit. I'd like to talk more about the the militia stuff and the. I mean, there's so much more we could talk about. You know, some of the stuff you've done. But it's um we have to do the radio show. Remember, we used to do the radio for a long time. That yes. was we we used to uh, have a lot of fun with that. The J Dogs. That that was um the the current husband used to always call, and I used to think to myself, who who is this guy? He like really likes to call him. And <laughs> He's he, a big fan of yours. Yeah, he really Jeff. likes you. <laughs> well, did I know? He really right, well, liked me. <laughs> uh, appreciate you on the podcast. We'll, we'll catch up again. All right. And uh, for all you folks listening, thanks for uh, tuning in to Landmine Radio. And if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast or whatever, get a hold of me and we'll, uh, we'll make it happen. Uh, until next time, this is Jeff Landfield. Uh, we'll catch you later. Landline.